Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody, welcome back in. This is 2019 version of the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATV is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping, over 75 bucks. It's so damn easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of us freaks out there that go ride off-road vehicles. I know you guys out there listen Some of you guys ride street bikes, but I don't care about that shit. I care about off-road motorcycles. So, go to RockyMountAntVMC.com and get your parts. Thank you again. Of course, this is 2019, January 2nd. Racetech and Fly Racing are back on board. FlyRacing.com is the title sponsor of the 2019 AMA FIM Supercross Series. So, that's cool. So, go check them out. FlyRacing.com. Order yourself a set of gear or two. Tell them Kiefer sent you when you go to Rocky Mountain. Hopefully that will keep this sucking, sucking, sucking. Well, it doesn't suck. It's kind, of, it's sucking sometimes. <laughs> like this morning, it was sucking pretty hard. Yeah. But go check them out. Flyracing.com and Racetech, Racetech.com. Go get your suspension revalved, oil changed, seals, bushings redone. Maybe even get some motor work done. They do that too. I talked about before how they do vintage bikes. Just had a buddy of mine have his vintage bike suspension redone. They had the parts there in stock, which is impressive. And if you haven't been by Racetech, go check them out. They're over there in Corona with everything else by Pro Circuit, Bill's Pipes, Racetech, all in the same area. Very cool to go check out and stop in and say hi. So we are here again, 2019, in the studio. We had some technical difficulties this morning, but... I'm here with my guy, Michael Allen, and we're here to talk about the 2019 RMZ 250. Yes, shootouts are coming next week. We were a little bit late to the game this year because, frankly, um, all these media outlets just bombard these manufacturers with dates in a span of about two weeks. So there's really no upside for me to just throw myself in there with those guys. I'm, I'm not getting paid any more money. Um, you guys out there, you know, you're going to get all different kinds of information from different media outlets. So we're doing ours next week, but we just recently picked up our RMZ before, you know what they call it in Canada? I don't know what they call it. RMZ. RMZ. YZ. Yeah, I've heard that before. So our RMZ came before the holiday break, so we rode it. I actually got to ride this bike before I even got my test bike, so that's a little known fact that some of you guys do not know out there. So um, Mike and I shared this bike for a little bit, and we basically just wanted to get with you guys before the shootout started and give you a rundown of who this bike is for, how it performs, is it better than the 2018 version? How it's changed. Yeah, we'll, we'll 
if you want to see all the changes and break everything down, you can go to keyfreaktesting.com and we will tell you everything there. You can click on bikes. Don't email me and ask me how to get there. It is very easy to do this. I get enough emails. Uh, Kiefer, how do I get, where's that story at again? Dude, spend five minutes, scroll around. It's okay, you'll find it. So it's up there on keyforinktesting.com. You can see the changes. But we're just going to wrap about how this thing runs. And Mike, you're a what? Intermediate MX guy? Yeah, easy. I would say novice intermediate MX guy. 30 plus guy. And uh, I like to ride 250Fs more than 450s, although Chris is trying to convert me to 450s. Yeah, so you're what? 180? 180. Easy. Don't go 185. I'm 180. Okay. Holiday weight? Holiday weight. Um... So he's 180. I watch him ride moto. He's right. He's just started getting a moto a couple years ago, riding more of it. He's basically an off-road guy. You work nine to five. Yep, fabricator, and uh, my side job is helping you. Right. So it's good. Not much of a side job, is Not, it? The pay is unreal. <laughs> Nothing. That's so sad. But hey, we're growing this year, so maybe you'll get a paycheck. I I just need you. No, you need no. a paycheck. I can see. So Mike is very nice. He doesn't say much he just does his work but you can tell when he wants to get something it's still, it's still... stop <laughs> i don't want anything uh I, I was super happy to to go ride this bike actually i called chris after i picked it up at suzuki and was like you know what i'm kind of excited to ride it because some stuff was different on it and i've been riding the yamaha a lot and we all know how good the new yamaha is and i was curious just to mess around with the suzuki and see what we could get it to do how we could get it to work so we, we picked it up. Um, again, like I said, comes with a spring fork this year. Hallelujah. Thank God for the air fork. Um, movement is kind of fading out besides WP. Um, but it just seemed like KYB and Showa just couldn't master the air fork like WP could. And that's not saying like WP's fork is the best, but for an air fork, it's pretty damn good. But for some reason, KYB and Showa just couldn't match WP in the comfort area in the air fork technology so um, back to a coil spring fork um, some changes to the engine cylinder head um, also changes to the frame um, swing arm basically a whole host of changes to try to make this armsy better it was late to the game like we said coming to us um, some shootouts had to be delayed because of the suzuki but some of the media outlets actually got to go ride this in japan for some reason, Suzuki didn't invite Steve and I, which is really weird. But that's fine. That's fine, Wheeler. It's okay. You're listening out there. That's cool. I see how you uh, you rate everybody else. We're the stepchildren, Steve and I. But uh, we got our bike, and Michael is going to break down. Let's just start by breaking down the engine. And you you spent some time last year on Suzuki. You said a little or? bit. Very a small amount of time shootouts and uh, a little bit of time. So if he if he can't compare the bikes, I can because I spent some time on the eighteen RMZ two fifty, and I can kind of break down what the differences is. But going from riding this, and you've been like I said, you've been riding the Honda a little bit, the Yamaha. How does the engine feel on the track? Uh, the power off the bottom is a lot better. I think it's more tractable. It builds into the mid and it, it tapers off on top. It doesn't pull like the Honda way far into the into the revs. Even I don't think it pulls as far as the Yamaha into the revs. It kind of is dead I mean, for over rev. So basically, what you're saying this is more like a short shifting kind of engine, more bottom to mid range feel, which was 
basically kind of like the 2018 version, but we just wanted more. Right. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to call the bike all new, although a lot of the parts are new. I almost just want to call it reworked. Okay. Uh, they did change some stuff with the, the dual fuel injection, fuel injectors, um, and stuff like that, which I feel helped the bottom and the mid, but I still feel like it needs some more over rev. So one of the first things that you said when you wrote it, it said you had a good time riding this bike. I did. I, I, so what makes you say that? Like what makes you say coming off from a Yamaha YZ250F and you're getting on this, why is this bike fun to ride? The handling for me, the Yamaha is a good handling bike, but everyone has always said, you know, the Suzuki handles great, and this bike is no exception. I feel like it turns really well. It tips in really easy with, like, minimal input. Uh, it stays leaned over when you're in a rut. It doesn't want to stand up. Not to say that the Yamaha does necessarily, but I feel like this bike turns better. So going back to the engine, for me, when I first got on this bike, immediately what I what I recognized right away when I got on the track compared to last year's version was RPM response and the touch to the throttle. Not to say that the 18 version wasn't crisp or FI wasn't didn't have a good setting, but for me, instantaneously, just the crack of the throttle, I felt like a little bit more surge was there with the 19. I felt a little bit more connection to the rear wheel. Um, coming out of corners... Second year kind of revved out pretty quick on the 18. With the 19, I can go down the track a little farther in second gear. And then for me, recovery is the the hugest part that I recognize right away. So going back from an 18 to the 19, now we talk about recovery here a lot on this show. I talk about it on my website. Basically, recovery is when you're coming out of a corner or you're coming into a corner and you're in the wrong gear, or you're lazy, or you're just tired, you have to fan the clutch to get back into the meat of the RPM range. That is basically recovery. The flick of your finger to the clutch, to the reaction of the motor, and how quick it gets back moving down the straightaway. So the 18 didn't do that particularly well. The 19 is much better in that area. You're not going to get uh, Yamaha YZ250F explosion out of a corner. You're going to get a little better version of the 18 with more RPM response and more recovery. If you're trying, if you're a 30 year old, 40 year old guy that's, you know, looking for a 250F that really wants to be lazy, the Suzuki still isn't that kind of bike. You're going to want to look more towards a Yamaha for torque, uh, just sheer torque feeling out of a corner. You, it's hard to beat a Yamaha in that area. But to me, the Suzuki splits the difference between, to me, honestly, Suzuki has more bottom in the Honda. Would yeah, you agree? I agree with that. Um, and it almost feels on par to a KX250F. I think it's it's very close to the KX. And I think that I felt what you were feeling with the recovery and the bike, I didn't even know what the coupler came in it. And I mentioned to you, it felt kind of dirty feeling or it felt rich to me. And sure enough, we looked at the coupler and it had the rich coupler in it. So I swapped to the lean coupler and it almost helped out recovery time a little bit more with a little bit a flick of the clutch and the power came back even sooner with the lean coupler. And basically what you guys are going to do when you switch couplers, it's it's, it's basic, right? All the, the couplers come in with the bike. Um, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's a white Black and green? I do believe white, black, and green. It came with the black one on it, which is rich. The white is lean, and green, I think, is would be the standard or, or mid. So for me, when you go to a white coupler, you're getting some more RPM response. 
and explosion out of a corner. Um, better mid-range meet, but you will notice that it will fall off a little bit on top end and over rev. It's not a huge difference. To me, the payoff that you're getting by putting the white coupler in on the bottom end is, to me, worth it compared to, I don't want to say lethargic feeling down low, but I would like to see more bottom end, so that's why I put the white coupler in. To me, in the 250 class, engine is, is king. If you have a great engine, it doesn't produce, 250Fs don't produce enough horsepower to get you in trouble chassis-wise. And I think that's why you pick a 250. Right. Because you have more fun on one. Right. You can throw it around a little bit better. And I honestly think you would go faster on a 450, but maybe the injury list would be longer. It probably would. I'd probably try to rev it or probably try to, to override it. Well, not override it. I don't have the ability to override it, but... I just think I, with my ability, I ride a 250 better. So what I also noticed too, and I don't know if you guys experience for you Suzuki owners out there, I experienced detonation on the 2018 RMZ250 at times, under load, soft conditions, no matter which coupler I had, lean, or I, I didn't really go to the rich coupler ever in 18. I always stood with standard or lean. Even when I had a standard coupler in, I always seemed to hear that little uh, marble inside the engine which is detonation so that's what I um, didn't like about the 18 and the 19 no matter which coupler I ran and I only ran again I only ran the standard and the lean coupler um, detonation wasn't there which is in the world of four strokes for you guys listening out there FI settings are huge um, take for example the Husqvarna and KTM 450s they come shitty. I'm talking shitty for an ECU setting. The FI is way off. So if you guys listen to my podcast, you understand that, hey, I tell you to go to Jamie at Twisted, get your um, your stock box remapped, and it helps that bike out a lot. So Suzuki did a lot of work going into 2019 with the ECU setting, which is much better, which is key, which is going to help that bike a lot. So um, I just people always ask me, Kiefer, what about fuel? I run just pump fuel on that thing. I wouldn't worry about getting T4 or Pro 6 or whatever the hell that is out there. You just stick with standard pump gas. And for you guys listening in California, it's a tough deal because we have a lot of ethanol in our gas. So um, I think we have up to 10% yeah, of the ethanol. Gas is, the gas is terrible here. Yeah, so I still didn't get in detonation with our shitty gas out here in California. So I would say congratulations to Suzuki for building a better engine. And, of course, we're going to break down the engines comparatively to other bikes in the shootout. But, to me, it's a better Suzuki engine-wise right off the bat. Overall, it's, it's definitely better. I, I, I hate going into a bike with a preconceived notion, but everyone has the preconceived. It's just the same Suzuki 250F. And I did feel that it was a good difference. Can we talk about how Suzuki is going to have to really dig themselves out of a hole? to get their bike to, to let's say they let's say 2020 you suzuki comes out with an insane motorcycle 450 or 250 whatever let's let's say they change it and it's fast it handles and it's good i still feel like suzuki has dug themselves in a hole so badly with their with their unchanged engine and their things that they're they're doing out there they're gonna have to really focus in and really market themselves better 
to get their bike to win a shootout. Right. Because, I mean, the bike, it, like I said, the Joe Blow rider, this bike is not it's not going to hold Joe Blow anybody back. I don't think this bike held me back from massive lap time differences from even a Yamaha or anything else. It's not a huge difference. Joe Blow rider is going to get on any 250 and probably spin roughly the same lap times. Maybe the comfort's different. Maybe you feel some departments of the bike are better, but it's still a good motorcycle. And here's the thing. We need Suzuki in our industry, period. The way the 450s or sales are going, how how inexpensive they are, I'm not going to say cheap because that makes them believe that the bike's a piece of shit. But Price point is a very big thing to look into. If we want new people to be introduced to our sport and we want our sport to grow like we always talk about, you know, I mean, on the Pulp Show and all the shit that we talk about, we need our sport to grow. We're not growing. Well, Suzuki, there's a spot for them because now their price point is down from all the other manufacturers. You know, granted, we know on the inside why that is, but the people on the outside do not know. And the people on the outside aren't getting bad motorcycles. They're getting a great motorcycle, especially for how much they're probably going to ride it. And can we also talk about one of the first things I told you when I called you after picking it up? I said, God, it's a good-looking bike. Yeah, and we said that last year, even when Steve was on RM Army. I was like, yeah, it's probably one of the best-looking standard machines there is. Yellow and blue colorways are nice. It really looks good. So... We need Suzuki to to keep this going, to keep this price point up. Um, I know the MSRP isn't down on this RMZ250. Maybe later in the year they might have some incentive deals. But, you know, for the price that you're getting, it's a reliable machine. I, I hear things from people that the engine, we're still on the engine portion of this podcast, but the engine is unreliable. To me, that's false. At Dirt Rider, I put... 65 hours on an RMZ 250 and I didn't change top end. I didn't change the valves. I didn't, no, I didn't check the valves. Okay. I just simply drain the oil, fresh oil, fresh oil filter, air filter, grips, chains, sprockets. That's it. That's all I did. So it wasn't like my shit was breaking on me all the time. It wasn't. Almost all manufacturers, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about the European ones, but especially Japanese are so. They're so keen on durability, reliability. Me being a part of production process, and I know we're getting off on a tangent here on this podcast, but... That happens. Me me being a part of this process of production testing, suitability testing, reliability testing, there is a lot of things that are involved, and it has to pass a certain amount of hours, or kilometers, because they go off both, to make it pass into production. So you're not really getting any piece of shit out there, especially Japanese manufacturers. I know how gnarly those guys are. And as good as the Austrians are, Japanese engineers are smart dudes. So I have met some of the Suzuki engineers, and they're smart guys. So some of this, uh, I would say, stigma on Suzuki is from us, and especially North Americans, I feel. Um the shootouts, yes, sixth place, Suzuki, sixth place, Suzuki. Everything's sixth place, Suzuki. I wouldn't want Suzuki to win a shootout. Right. You know? I kind of feel like the industry also, it goes in waves, and I don't know that we are the same way, but it goes with the same as the Yamaha was when the 450 reverse motor thing yeah, came 40 out. Yeah, 450 was a piece of shit. Everyone was a piece of shit, piece of shit. Now, I've been preaching how good the Yamaha is for three years. Right. So And everyone's like, thinks I'm high. Right. Well, 
Suzuki, okay, but basically what we're getting out of this engine is pretty damn good. I would say, and for me, straight up, without even telling you guys the results of a shootout, because I don't know, if I was going to rank um, engine um, in a category, you know, just engine and have it ranked, I would say it's fifth. I would say it's better. Than the Honda. Mm, no? No, I like a Honda. I would say fourth for Honda and sixth, Cowie. Okay, I haven't ridden the new Cowie as much. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's last. If I if this shootout happens and it gets fifth, it wouldn't be surprising. So the engine is better. Suzuki did a better job. It's just not the class leading engine that everybody thinks it's going to be. It's it's not there yet, but it is better. So and I've heard from engine builders that the way they lay out their engine this year is much more friendlier to make horsepower. Like there's room for a lot of improvement in the aftermarket. Yes, so they can make it a lot faster. So there's that. Let's move on to suspension. So this is where the bike kind of gets a little quirky. Right. Um, to me, I'll just rip off what I think. Um, front fork's a little stiff for me. I'm 170 pounds. Uh, I ride front end heavy on the, on the machine, and I feel like it's a firm feeling. Even with your front end riding, it's a <clears throat> firm feeling. Yeah, we'll get to the chassis portion of the right. cornering. But yeah, just for me, bump absorption feel is stiff. Just feels yep. like it has a lot of damping and a dead feeling, which it doesn't move through the stroke freely enough for me to really get comfort on straight line stability. I, I feel the same way. I went from first out, first time out on the bike, I felt like the front was far too stiff. So I went out two. Out as in softer. Softer on compression on the fork. And then went out two more. And then went out one more even. So I was out five total. And I was doing uh, the rebound as well with it. You go out on the compression, in on the rebound a little bit. But I got it to a point where I couldn't find the comfort. I could get when it was stiff. The uh, bottoming resistance was really good. I'm trying to get some more comfort out of it. And then I would end up blowing through on harder landings. So I couldn't get a comfort feeling out of the fork. So just a baseline setting for you guys out there. Uh, I left the fork height standard which was five mil uh sag anywhere between 104 to 106 is a good range um we could get that range for you and you're 180 plus right no shit 180 <laughs> even <laughs> i said 180 plus uh, yep. yeah yeah right. are you sure you're 180 we'll get on the scale after this pod Dude, you're Let's not 180 180 you gotta be like 185 okay we're getting on the scale it's after holiday this. With, and, I, and i know your your wife cooks i'm sick too Oh my god. We're not even gonna talk about All how right. much of a bitch you are with this shit. <laughs> but anyway. Suspension forks a little stiff, guys. So for you guys that are lighter than us, and chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Um, I would almost recommend going down a spring rate. I feel like they oversprung this bike a little bit. And the fact that the chassis is on the rigid side, I wouldn't say it's Honda rigid. Um four fifty rigid, I should say, not two fifty. Um, but it's a firm feeling head tube area along with the oversprung fork shock to me. I feel like they did okay with the shock. I didn't have a problem with it. They, they did not use the BFRC shock that the 450 has. That's gone. Um, I guess the big thing for me with the shock was I didn't notice anything bad. So I guess that's good. Right. Uh, the, the fork back to the fork, there were a couple parts on the tracks we tested where I knew every lap was going to suck. There were a few landings. Give us an example, like where that was. Um, 
on the backside, it, it doesn't really matter if people don't ride Sunrise. Well, just not, give us like uh, a, a like jump you, area or whatever. You uh, come off of a, kind of a step down into some breaking bumps or some chop, and I just knew the front end was going to be have a spiky feeling every time, every lap, no matter pick left line, right line, just yeah, I couldn't get comfort out of it. So basically a little bit of deflection. Right. Okay. In, in, uh, in chop. All right. And how I always explain people, uh, if they would say, hey, Kiefer, comfort, what I don't understand or what it... So basically it's it's so it's kind of really elementary to explain. If you grabbed a rock, you have a rock in your hand, right? So you're looking at your right hand, you have a rock. You drop that rock from six feet up on the ground, and that thud, that that smack that it hits the ground, that is like a Suzuki fork. And then you have, pick up that same rock, right? And you drop it from three feet up in the sky. And that thud that you hear, it's going to be a softer thud. There's not as much force because that rock isn't as high. That's the sensation that you get in a fork feeling for comfort. It's almost like you're dropping from a six-foot jump versus a three-foot jump. That's kind of the comparatively what I think about when I think of a Suzuki fork and a Yamaha fork. There's just a little more plushness, forgiveness, not as much of a thud and and as you say a spike right so you get less feedback from your hand so there is more feedback from this kyb fork um up front the shock has comfort it squats i think has a lot of rear wheel traction like i mentioned about when we talked about the engine that's where i felt it was maybe unbalanced front to rear where the front was stiff i felt like the rear had the squat and Almost when the bike would compress, the rear is compressing more than the front. So these are some things that I'm going to try after shootouts, guys. I'm going to try to go down a spring rate on the fork without doing any valving right away. I want to see if that balances the bike out a little bit, see if it softens it up, and uh, we'll we'll get spring rate numbers for you. We'll, we'll, we'll dial you guys in on a Living With podcast and some things on the website um, for that. But I feel like... I really I wouldn't go as far as Michael and say it's unbalanced for me, but to me it's a firmer feel that I want and from a front end versus the shock. I feel the the front is a performance based fork versus the shock, which is a comfort, you know, feel. Um, again, one hundred four to one hundred six on the shock. Did you mess with high speed or anything on the shock? I did not. You didn't touch it. Nope. So that says something. Other. If he's not looking for searching for answers or searching for clickers in the shock. He's pretty happy, and I've seen him ride enough where I can be like, oh, he's fairly aggressive. He's gotten better over the years, so um, you're more of a rear. You're on the rear of the bike more yeah, versus front. I think so, yeah. as much as you're trying to get me on the front and ride ruts. Well, that just comes with experience. The more right. comfortable are, the more you'll ride in the front. So for those of you guys listening, rear steering guys, you'll like this bike. It does do that. It'll accommodate you more right now the way it comes in production form, rear steering versus front. Hey, what's up? technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach 
all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. Founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out, bloodlubricants.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the keyforinktesting.com, Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6dhelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. 
I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys. And it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 60 Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 60 Helmets. Hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 60. Screen printing done dot com. I hate it when they put sirens in commercials. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I wish I had that shirt. Would cover my boy boobs nicely. Screenprintingdone.com. We make kick-ass t-shirts. Made with bits of real panther. We get it done. So you know it's good. Screenprintingdone.com. Screenprintingdone.com. But then again, moving on to the chassis side, what about straight line stability? It's good. It's not not Yamaha good. I hate going back to the Yamaha always, but it's not Yamaha good, but it's not as, as twitchy as I figured it would be. It's not as twitchy as the Honda was to me. I haven't ridden the 19 Honda. I rode the 18 Honda. I felt like the Honda has a little less stability than this bike. So to me, I like a Honda chassis. Um, I like that I can go straight line. I like I can carve it. Uh, it has a light feeling. Suzuki doesn't quite have that for me. It doesn't have that light weight feel. It feels a little bit heavier. Right. And that could be something to do with the engine um, feeling. But I do like stability-wise on the Suzuki. I don't feel like as much as I dislike the fork and the head tube area, I would think that I would really be scared to ride this thing fast down a choppy straightaway. But it stays pretty straight. It goes in a straight line. It doesn't do anything... Um, it doesn't deflect enough for me where I'm rolling off the throttle. Or where you're scared or going to back yeah, off. Yeah, right. so for as how heavy the front end feels, stiff, it doesn't give that sensation on throttle down straightaways. Right, it never, it never, I was never scared. It's at, basically at where I feel like it's stiff and rigid is off throttle sensations. So to me, the chassis is really good straight line stability, which is not usually a Suzuki characteristic. Usually it's the opposite, sharp cornering, a little bit twitchy. I feel like with a better front fork spring rate, this could really help this bike even more. So going to cornering, like I said, rear end steering, it does like that more. I'm a front end steering guy. It will accept me inside of the rut. So once I'm inside of the rut, it lays down nice. It has that Suzuki character. That's not an issue. It's getting it to the corner that off throttle, like I mentioned, it's kind of tough. It has a little firm feeling, a little vague. I don't get a big tire contact patch, front, you know, front tire feel like I did um, from last year's bike. I could get into a corner a little bit better, and then once I'm in, it lays in nice, but that's the same for the 19. I'm just getting to that point. And I can relate that to a Yamaha. To me, everyone's like, oh, the Yamaha does a corner, but to me, I can get it to the corner so much better than other bikes that it just makes that whole transition easier for me. So um, Suzuki still, corner's great. Would it be, to me, not to give you guys shootout numbers, but is it the best corner machine nowadays? No, I don't think, I don't think so. 
No, I don't think it's. I don't think it goes off to uh, how it used to be. Oh, Suzuki's the best cornering bike. That's those days are kind of gone because right. it still turns well. Like it's one of the top. It's three. not the worst turning bike. No, definitely not. And and I felt like once, like you said, once you're settled in the rut, even if you need to turn in farther, I, I feel like you can even cut in harder if if need be. So you you have no problems cutting down from a blown out rut or anything. No, not at all. Um, and for me, like I said. Using the throttle to steer it does work better on this chassis, um, but um, if you guys are worried about, hey, like I don't know if this is going to have stability and cornering ability, it does have both. It's not the best at both, but like I said, it's it's middle of the road. It's hard to beat a KTM and a Husqvarna for lightweight feel. Yes, on paper, those two bikes are the lightest. Sometimes that doesn't correlate on the track, but in this case, it does. Like when I come into a corner, I can really feel how light um, <clears throat> those KTM's and Huskies are. Suzuki doesn't feel that way. It feels planted, uh, straight line again, but it also feels heavier um, exiting the corner to me. Um, beginning, middle of corner falls in nice. Everything's good. Exiting, trying to stand it back up to get it straightened up and on the, down the straightaway um, is a little bit heavier of a feel. So. Uh, just know that going in. Anything else you want to add about? Not not that I can think of, honestly. I feel like we've covered a lot of it. <clears throat> One thing I didn't mention that I wanted to mention to you guys that I missed out on the, on the on the engine portion. Suzuki has a lot of engine braking. Yeah, it does have a lot of engine braking. You're right. Um, I feel like once off-throttle, second and third gear has a lot of engine braking feel. Now, what you will not get is pitching of the chassis which is <laughs> it's weird because when you think of engine braking you think of a lot of movement forward back on the bike but kind of like a seesaw yeah it's kind of because right. since that fork spring is so heavy i feel i don't get a lot it of doesn't that. let the load transfer and sack the front end. right so right. but i just do know notice that the engine is heavier off throttle than i would say um i would say a, a yamaha and, and yamaha is not known to be um <laughs> It's not known to be having the lightest engine braking feel. The engine braking on the Yamaha is a lot too. Right. And, and engine braking changed a lot over the years for four strokes. They used to be really, really almost bad. But I don't think engine braking is necessarily a bad thing either. No. You've got to have a balance. I, I like some engine braking because like, I'm a front end steering guy, so I give right. you some front end traction. But I also don't like pitching. Right. And usually when you have that, especially on a Yamaha, you had a lot of pitching. Right. Um, Yamaha fixed some of that. With the, with, they fixed it with their fork and, and settings. Suzuki's good, so hopefully when we go to a lighter spring, we don't get a lot of that. And for the, you guys listening out there, aftermarket, you can fix a lot of engine braking feel with ECU settings. Again, ECU is, it changes bikes completely. So um, I, I really want to dive in more at this ECU on this RMZ250 to see if we can get rid of some of that engine braking. Um, I'm sure I'll be taking my EC over to Jamie and have him wizard it up, but um, I do appreciate that the the chassis itself is balanced on the engine braking feel. Um, moving on to the ergos real quick. Um, not a lot gets said about bikes or um, not a lot of uh, media outlets on the shootouts talk about the rider triangle, but and how it feels just sitting on it. Like when I when I saw the bike and sat on it for the first time, the bars felt so flat to me i mean it's not necessarily straight. a bad thing just straight and yeah. when riding it first thing i noticed when i went to go on the track was 
when I went from standing up to sitting down in a corner, I felt like the bars were not in my lap, but from the bars to the seat, I felt was I was sitting on top of the bike. So basically, he, what what Mike's trying to say is the the seat height is a little tall feel, and then you got this low feeling bar. So for me, and and maybe you can explain how you feel of it. I only notice that I like that feeling when I'm sitting and I'm going into corners. I like that low bar feel so I can really attack the corners. I'm not up high with my arms. But when you're standing, that makes life kind of tough. Right. So I'm standing up over the bike, front end. I feel like my arms are way farther down. Um, Maybe it makes you hunch your back a little bit. A little bit. And I'm already, I'm already kind of a hunchback. Hunchback rider, yeah. So I don't want to do that when I ride. It gives you improper... Technique. Um, yeah, we don't want none of that. No. So, um, sitting on the bike's a little bit taller. Uh, to me, I feel like the bike sits taller than last year's bike. I don't know if you remember last year's bike much, but it's just a little bit taller. Feel. I do feel like maybe the seat's a little flatter and, and higher. And I like a straight bar, guys. Don't get me wrong. I like a lower feeling straight bar, but this bar's stiff for me as well. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't so much notice the stiffness as just the, the low and flat feeling. We're going to talk about some fake science right now because I kind of brought something into my head. Oh, boy. Um, I'm not on Paul Parabinos' theory of – I mean, all you guys probably know this. And for those of you that don't, seven-eighths crossbar to me flexes more than a one-and-one-eighths crossbar-less bar. But I do agree in Paul's theory about the straighter the bar, the less flex you have. And, I, and now that he's kind of put that in my head, I've been really paying attention to that feeling when I go to a bar with less rise and more it has more of a flatter, straighter bar bend. I do feel like it is firmer feeling, no matter what crossbar or without. So this bar is low. If you look at the specs, it's pretty low in height and rise. And it's a rental fat bar. Rental fat bars are known to be a little bit stiffer feeling. I know some guys go with Renthal twin wall bars and then take the crossbar off and they get more flex with that versus just the standard fat bar, which I don't know all the the science behind the fat bar and the twin wall, but I just felt like this fat bar bend was stiffer combined with the stiff fork. I'm a, I'm getting older, dude. I know. And I want some comfort in my hands. I ride a lot and I got I got tough hands. For a rider, but things I don't got are nice joints, like a twenty-year-old. Joints are getting old, and when I ride a lot, that and I have a rigid bike or a vibration or just a bar that's stiff, dude, it's it's tough to ride consecutive days back to back because my joints hurt. So, to me, I need to go with a little bit better of a bar, whatever some, that is out there. Some I don't, more comfort out of it. Yeah, um, not that. I'd hate to say, yeah, Pro Taper is a sponsor of our show in 2019. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. And only reason why that is is because I like that bar a lot. And it gives a lot of, I've got a lot of flex. So the Evo bar um, from Pro Taper is one of the better ones for flex for me. There are other ones that are pretty good. So I'm not going to say, hey, Pro Taper is the best bar ever. That's all you should get. But I do like the flex of an Evo bar. And, and, and we've been testing with Honda before. And they use Renthal products, and we've tried some uh, Pro Taper stuff just for shits, right? Just right. to see. And there's a lot more flex, dude. There's a lot more comfort. Right. So um, Renthal stuff is great. They're, re- they're reliable. The durability of the Renthal you know, fat bar is good, but it's just a little bit stiffer feel. So if you don't mind it, then disregard what I said. But 
you're looking for some more comfort out of that front end, try a different bar and that may help you as well. So anything else you want to add on Suzuki? Since you're not going to be at shootouts, you're flaking out on us. Some people got to work, Chris. Uh, got to work. I'm sure you got vacation time, Mike. I just got off. I'm getting off two weeks vacation. I just can't take a day. All right. Well, yeah, Mike's not going to be a part of the 250 shootout, but the Suzuki will be, and we'll be hitting that up next week. The 10th will be the start of our 250 shootout, so make sure you guys listen in. Yeah, come back and see how the Suzuki does. I'm I'm really hoping it does well. Um, I think it'll do better than the past. I just think the stigma. I think people need to get the stigma out of their minds. What about clutch? We didn't talk about clutch feel. Uh, actually, I like the. Uh, Let's talk about the levers. You said you don't like levers. So, so give me, give me two, give me two things: clutch oh boy, and levers. Go ahead. This, this ought to be fun, people. Listen oh to this shit. Oh boy, listen to this shit. So, I'm I'm anal when it comes to levers. Kawasaki to me are the worst levers, stock levers, just ever. They're too sharp feeling. I just I don't like them. It's not a Yamaha or a Honda lever. Uh, the Suzuki's not quite as bad as the Cowie, but I still don't get that much of a, a comfortable lever feeling the engagement of the clutch I feel is one of the better ones in the class. I feel like the, I've been riding the Yamaha a lot. Yamaha, you let the clutch out. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. Then a lot of engagement all within a little bit of the throw. The Suzuki, I like the engagement more. I feel like as soon as you let the bar or the clutch away from the bar, there's engagement. Like, uh, the modulation is over a greater span while you're letting the clutch So it's out. not so on-off. It's not so on-off, and I like that. I'm not a huge fan of the on-off clutch feeling. And are you a abuser? No, I don't think I'm an abuser. I'm, I've are never... Gary? No, I've never worn out a clutch in a test bike. What? I've never had you... you never changed plates? I've never... You've had test bikes a long time. I've had test bikes a long time. I'm not dude. a clutch abuser. Okay, well, I guess I am, because I can go through clutch plates in 10 hours, dude. My shit's blown out in 10 hours. No, I'm not an abuser. Really? Or maybe I'm just not as anal when they do wear out. I don't know, but I've never blown out a clutch and been like, hey, I need a new one. What about the levers? I went, th- I went over the levers. Blades? Blades are a little bit too sharp for me. but The blades are I, fine, people. Oh, There's nothing wrong with these blades. It's not <sighs> Kawasaki. Kawasaki has sharp-ass blades. These are, are in between. These are in between a Yamaha and a Cowie for me. All right. Well, I got to go feel those. We're going to go in the garage after this, and we're going to feel it. I need to feel it because I really haven't noticed it that much, and I'm really pretty anal about lever. I mean, right. that's the first thing I noticed when I got on the Cowie was, like, holy crap. That's, yeah. that's You're going to cut cool. your finger. Yeah. Yeah. Way too small. Right. So um, so there you have it. 2019 RMZ 250 for you Canadians out there, and the 2019 RMZ Z. 250 for you Americans. Americans. Um, Canadians are North Americans, though. That's true. Okay. United Statesians. Yeah, so Z, Z, whatever you want to call it, we've tested it, we've tried it, it's better, it's a better Suzuki product, so congratulations Suzuki for doing that. Don't count it out because... Seriously guys, like, if it ranks 6 in our shootouts, which I don't know, and if it does, that doesn't mean it's a piece of shit, trust me. None. I, and we say this all the time, I know some of you guys are like, oh you're full of shit, you know, you wouldn't tell if it's a piece of shit. Dude, I would tell you if it's a piece of shit, I would say look. Suzuki's not doing anything for me, okay? They're not giving me any money. I would say, look, this thing's a pile of trash. Don't even worry about it. But it's not a pile of trash. No, it's not a bad Dude, bike. you want to know something that's not a pile of trash? RM85. That's what you were saying, it rips. Now, it looks like a pile of shit. <laughs> but it rips. But that thing is crisp, dude. Aiden and I talked about that in our 85 shootout. It's got steel bars. It's got 
Dunlops I haven't heard of from 40 years ago. Right, like, it looks like it's straight out to Like, you're like, dude, this thing, I wrote an eight. I mean, Buddy Antonis, this is Buddy Antonis' bike, <laughs> right? But that thing is, it's crisp. But that thing looks like a piece of shit. Right. Don't this, count it out because it looks unchanged or you think it's unchanged or anything. This RMZ250 doesn't look like a piece of shit. It looks sexy. No, right. looks good. Um, remember the old yellow wheels that Suzuki used to run the factory, yes. guys? Put some of those on. That'd look good. That's good, Tom. That would look good. That looks good. So, anyway, thanks for joining us. This has been the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. If we haven't covered something here on this podcast, email Mike. He loves answering emails. He doesn't have a real job. No. So just email Michael at KieferInkTesting.com. He'll try to get back to you with some questions. You guys know that I do that. So Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. That is why we started this damn business. Mike was at Dirt Rider with me. It's true. And when I left Dirt Rider, and I, when I gave my two weeks to Pete Peterson, which who knows where that guy's at now. Not a when, Dirt Rider. When I said, hey, I'm out. This is bullshit. I need to leave. First guy I called was you. Yep. So you want to come? You're like, I said, hold on. I don't know. <laughs> I said, hey, I got I, am I going to have a bike to ride, Kiefer? <laughs> I said, I got a couple <laughs> stories I need to turn in to get paid. And then I'm on my way. So, uh. So yeah, so Mike was one of the OGs. Mike's a no bullshit guy. He'll tell you what's up. Those are the people I surround myself with here with my company. So um, if they have a Kiefer Inc. testing email attached to their name, um, they're just like me. They're no bullshit. So uh, hopefully you guys take advantage of that. Ask us some questions. We'll answer them as soon as we can. I get through those a lot during the day. I try to answer. I try to pick at the... I said I was going to take vacation. You didn't take vacation. Well, you you made a good analogy. Was, I was in fifth gear right. previously from holiday. Now I just went. I was supposed to go to like neutral right. in holidays. No, I just went to third gear. You went to third. So I still did some work, but emails come in. They don't stop. No, don't stop. Won't stop. Get it? How how seven deuce deuce going to do on Suzuki? He's going to make the main. Boy, you're really fucking hey, going on. You a want limb. to be honest? He's going on a limb, Mike. He's... Sound like JT nineteenth. Alex, does Alex Ray beat Seven Deuce Deuce? No matter what, let's say Anaheim won. Who who's the best finishing Suzuki guy on the HEP team? Uh, Alex Ray. Chiz. You think Chiz? Yes. I think Alex Ray beats all of them. Okay. You think Chiz is going to beat all of them? I do. Give us the results. Out of that team? Yeah. Chiz, A Ray, and Ignat. Do they all make the main? Yes. Or yes, no? they all make the main. I don't think all of them do. All right. Three dudes. You know how stacked the fourth class is. Yeah, I'm going to say here, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, God, it's going to be tough because I love all those guys. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 7 Deuce Deuce beats A-Ray and then Chiz. Chiz is, I think Chiz just coming back. He hasn't been riding that much. 7 Deuce Deuce is the top finishing guy on that Suzuki team. Yes. You know stuff I don't. Okay, there you have it. Happy holidays, people. Happy New Year. Um, listen to the commercials. Seriously, there's some new guys coming on board for 2019. You may get a discount code, especially 6D. It's 100 bucks off a helmet. That's a good deal, right? Those are expensive, and that's a lot of money off. But that's a good helmet. It's so a great helmet. Protect your head. Get a good helmet. 6D, 6DHelmets.com. The code is Kiefer Tested 120. That's the code to save 100 bucks. There's all other kinds of different hidden codes like Skosh, SCOKT25, Boom Bottles. Heart rate monitors, you know that? Skosh? Yeah. I didn't know that. They've got battery little jumper guys that are bitching. Those are good. I've used those. Power jumps? Yeah. 
You can go on my website and check that out too. So there you go. You got anything else to say, Mike? You no, sick? You sick? I'm sick. I'm good. I'm ready to uh, go shoot so, some. If you guys could see his shoot face, some photos after this. You guys see his face right now? It is horrible. I gotta blow my nose. It's gonna be good. Hope you don't get me sick. Fuck you. All right. See you guys.